So Ash Wednesday is uh, the first day of the season of Lent, and for some of you it began really early this morning. I know we had some folks here at 6.30 this morning to receive their ashes first thing. Uh, and I can remember growing up in South Texas and wondering what that was all about, because at that time Methodist churches didn't do this. Uh, and I'd see these people walk around with the ashes on their forehead all day and wonder what the heck that was about. Um, and then as time went on and, and years passed and I learned more and I also walked through uh, the experience of losing um, family members and, and friends and associates uh, to death, uh, I began to understand more about what it was about, that in that that smudge of the ashes in, in the shape of the cross um, is the story of the gospel. Let's pray. Almighty God, here we are this night. It's dark and it's cold. And we begin a season that for many of us is challenging. So we ask you to come hold our hearts with gentleness and with healing that we may walk this journey with you. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the beginning of the scripture, there's uh, two creation stories, one right after the other in the, in the book of Genesis. And the first story is, is the one where God speaks and things happen so that we can understand that God is behind everything and that the word of God has power and life to it, that it doesn't just uh, fall on you know, our ears and, and lay there lifeless, but it actually has activity to it. it things happen when God speaks. Uh, the scripture tells us that you know, no word of God goes out and returns to him unfulfilled. And the second story kind of brings it down to a more earthy kind of level as God begins to create everything. And there's a wonderful scene in the, the second chapter where God kneels down on the ground and he, he takes the clay and he shapes it into a human being. And then he breathes the breath of life into it. And the word in, in Hebrew as well as the word in Greek is, is used all through Scripture. It's the same word that, that, that stands for breath or spirit or life. I mean, he takes the clay and he breathes life, his life, into it. And it becomes a human being. And God takes these human beings that he's breathed life into and he puts them in the Garden of Eden where, where everything is as it should be, where we're in this relationship with one another and with God, that it is exactly as it should be. And everything that we need is provided for us. And we live in this place where, where we never worry, where we never fear, where we never hurt. And then as the story goes on, there's, there's the, the event where we begin to listen to another voice besides God's voice and decide to act in ways other than what God has called us to. And when we turn away from the word that God has given us and the life that God has breathed into us, things begin to go south. 
And the eyes of, of both of them, the man and the woman, were opened. And they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid for the first time. Because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, The woman you put here with me. And you notice he's already breaking relationship. She gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And, and, and you notice that he blames God, right? Did you catch that? The woman you put here with me, God. This is your fault. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what's this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. There's this, this fear and this breaking of relationship with one another and, and with God and blaming. And it all begins to fall apart. And toward the end of that story, the man and the, and, and the woman leave the garden because they've now broken the relationship that allowed them to be there. And as they leave, God says to them, By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and the dust you will return. And that sweat of your brow isn't simply hard work. That sweat of your brow is worry and it's fear and it's anxiety. You know, we use that phrase, don't sweat it, don't worry about it. I mean, it's, it's worry and it's fear and anxiety. It's, it's all the things, the insecurities we struggle with in life. This is, this is what your lot's going to be from now on because no longer are you in this relationship with God and with one another that's perfect. And so now you're going to worry and you're going to be afraid of what's going to come. And because you've broken this relationship with God, when the days of your mortal life are over, you're going to go back to being the dust that you were. When I started uh, doing ministry <clears throat> years ago, we didn't do a lot of cremations. And so that was you know, kind of something that came on the scene after I started doing all this and uh, we got used to you know kind of adjusting to it a little bit but oh I don't know 24 years ago 25 years ago something like that uh, there was a young man in my congregation by the name of Paul uh, who died at the age of 26 from cystic fibrosis and complications of that and uh, Paul was an amazingly brave courageous young man and uh, seeing his death coming uh, that last time uh, he asked me uh, if I would be sure and take his ashes and scatter them uh, off of a particular bluff out in the hill country west of Kerrville. And, you know, what do you say except, of course, I mean, uh, to be honored to be with him through that and then asked to, to do that for him. And so we went... Uh, his mother and I uh, went out to uh, this bluff west of Kerrville, and, and she handed me his box 
of ashes. And, and uh, it's about this big. Weighs like five to seven pounds. And I, I just was struck from the last time I'd seen Paul at the hospital and then being handed that box that, that was, that's what was left. Dust to dust and ashes to ashes suddenly became really concrete. Became really concrete for me. But the other part of that story is this. When the man and the woman leave the garden and they go out into the world, God goes with them and God clothes them and God doesn't give up on them or on their descendants. And God hadn't given up on Paul either. And so the, the gospel rolls on and you have this ongoing story of God reaching out to his people over and over and offering them life over and over and, and us struggling to do that until we, we reach this climactic point when we come into the New Testament. You know, um, lots of us that have raised families know, you know, it's, it's a lot worse when our kids get sick than it is when we get sick, you know? It's, it's a lot harder. I mean, if I get sick or something happens to me or whatever, we take care of it. But when it's your kids, it just, it, ew, man, I mean, it just pulls your insides out. And I, I have been many times with parents when a child has been seriously ill or, or having to go through chemo or they've had an accident and they're going to have to have surgery or something like this is going on. And, and, and the parents are always more worried and more afraid than the child is. And the parents almost always will say something like, if I could just take their place, if I could just do that for them, if I could just go through that surgery for them, if I could take the chemo for them, if I could just do this for them, I would. And we would if we could. And so God looks down on God's children and tries over and over again and he sees their brokenness and he sees their fear and he sees their pain and he sees the hurt and he sees the anxiety and God says, ah, if I could just take the place of them and do this for them and then God goes, wait a minute, I'm God. I can do that. And so the whole story of Christ begins with God stepping in to the mess we have made of ourselves in our world and saying, let, let me do that for you. Let me take that for you. Let me have your, your brokenness and your, your pain and your fear. Let me have all the anxiety and insecurities. Let, let me have that. And he took all that mess in our lives with him to the crucifixion. So that all that, that brokenness that pulls us apart from God that we struggle with could die with him. And we could rise with him. And all, all, all God says is all you have to do is just, just hold your hands out and take this gift. Just take it. That's all you have to do. Just, just take it. 
which sounds really easy, doesn't it? But we really wrestle with it, don't we? I mean, in the New Testament, there's this story in Matthew's gospel, right? I mean, Jesus begins to show his disciples he's got to go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. I mean, it's the story right there. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, now this is only a few verses after Peter has just proclaimed of all the disciples that Jesus is the Son of God. This is only a few verses after that when Jesus says, Blessed are you, Peter, because flesh and blood hasn't shown you this. Only a few verses after Peter begins to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus told his disciples, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? It's it's so hard. Because before you can receive the gift of life, you've got to be willing to let go of this broken, messed up, shattered life we already have. And we struggle to do that. Now, so often we, we come to God and we say, okay, God, here it is. And then almost as soon as we give it to him, we go, wait, wait, I want that back. Right? Right? You've done it. You know it's true. We, we too often will, we prefer to hold on to our brokenness and our hurt and our anxiety and our insecurity and our sin, we would we'd rather hold on to that because it's ours. And let go of that and let God fill us with God's life and breath and spirit. So when we do Ash Wednesday, we, we, we get that reminding. You know, if you don't let go of that, and, and let God fill you about five pounds of ashes. That's what you are. And if you let go of it, then the resurrected people of God is what you are. So tonight, when you come forward in a few minutes, they're, they're going to take a, the ashes that are going to include the ashes from all these pieces of paper that you wrote on. They're going to take those and, and we're going to put them on your forehead. And that ash is going to remind us that without God, we're just dust and we go back to being dust. But we're going to do it in the sign of the cross to remind you that with God, you are the resurrected people of God, forgiven, righteous, eternal. Before we do that, I'm going to give you a moment. I want to just, if, if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, oh, I didn't write something on that paper I need to, I want to give you a moment to do that.
So I'm just going to give you a moment and say, take those things that maybe you didn't write on the paper and lift them up to God. And loving Father, you know the things that we've written on the paper. And now we offer you the things that are written on our hearts that are too dark to even put on the paper. So we lift them up to you. We release them into your presence. We ask you to come and breathe the very breath of life on us again. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.